Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 26 of the North Meet South web podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We have with us a very special guest today, Mr. TJ Miller. TJ, how's it going, man? Good, good, man. I'm so excited to be on. First first podcast ever. Well, the first of many, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. We met TJ this last year at Laricon uh, in Louisville. And so I think it was really kind of just random. We were on Twitter and I was looking for people to kind of have dinner with the first night. Michael had not yet arrived, unfortunately. We had plans to kind of hang out and eat dinner that first night. And so I put an invitation out there and said, hey, anybody who's free and in the area, come on out, let's go to dinner or whatever. And TJ responded. And so he was one of the group. And so we became fast friends. And here we are a year later. And he's gracing us with his presence on our podcast. So thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Super excited to be here. Yeah. Laricon was really cool. I went out there by myself. I only knew like maybe a couple people on Twitter and walked away with a ton of new friends. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah. I know. I love that about the, about Laricon is it's, uh, you know, for me, and I've said it before, like the most valuable thing that I ever get out of conferences is just the contacts that you make and the friends that you make there. And you know, super nice, especially depending on what type of environment you work in, if you work remote, or even if you don't work with like a lot of other developers, because for me, I'm like our lead developer. And it can be sort of challenging if you don't have somebody to bounce ideas off of that, you know, kind of maybe has like a little bit higher understanding of things or can, can help you with that stuff. So going to these conferences that you get to meet people that have a much better understanding of these things, and you can hit them up on Telegram or on Twitter and just kind of bounce things off. them. it's, it's very, very valuable. Absolutely. So. Yeah, TJ, for those people who don't know you or haven't met you, would you mind just telling us a little about yourself, where you're from, where you work, uh, what sort of stuff you work with? Yeah, so uh, I work out of Detroit. I work at a company called International Bandcard. We do uh, payment processing. So we have like our own gateway. We do payments through APIs. We offer a bunch of services. And then we also have, you know, terminals that are at, uh, you know, at businesses like gas stations, grocery stores, restaurants. Um, we do all sorts of payment type solutions. Very cool. So we work with, uh, we've got a an in-house application that was built on uh, an old version of Cake. Many, many developers have touched it. It's it's a hot mess. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, we do a lot with Laravel, though. We've got the majority of our public stack, like anything public facing is on Laravel. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, two or three applications that are on 4.2, probably another three or four that are on 5.1. And I think we've now got three that are on 5.4. Okay. So we work on a, a full range of Laravel and uh, we work with Vue too. So Awesome. That's a pretty big, that's like a pretty decent size or a set of uh, applications there. I mean, what is that? What did you say? Like seven, maybe something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And we're about to roll out, I think another four more, but those are going to be replacing a lot of the other applications. So it's a whole, it's a whole new platform. And we've been okay. using uh, we've been using Shift to move everything. They were started on five one, and now I think all of them are up to five four. Very cool. Yeah, that's a that's like one of those things. A lot of times, sometimes it can be difficult to say like, oh, is it going to be worth the investment to move it up to five four? Because like I don't necessarily need any of those features, but I find like myself while I'm doing the upgrades in the code base, it's like, oh yeah, actually that is really handy. I'm going to do that refactor real quick, and that's much cleaner now. Uh, you know, whether it's validation or even a lot of the things that you have with like global helpers, like I don't think the request global helper was available in 
or just some of those other things that I just kind of take for granted that I assume are available everywhere, but aren't. Right, right. They fell into the LTS trap. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of the things that I came in. I had actually done some work with for them through a job I had previously. It was a small web shop and uh, they hired this web shop to come in and do some work. So I was already familiar with the team. I knew their stack. I knew what they were doing. And uh, I came in and saw everything was on 5.1. And that was one of the first things I really started pushing for was getting off the LTS trap. Very cool. Yeah. I know Michael's had some experience with that as well. We've talked about that a little bit on the show before. And mm. uh, it can certainly make things difficult. That technical debt piles up pretty quick. So uh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, had, we've had similar experiences with that too. The app that was on 5.1 is now slowly making its way to 5.4. So I did, nice. it was on 5.3. We've had it on 5.3 for a couple of months, I guess. And Friday, Friday, Thursday, I started to uh, move it to 5.4. And I got as far as checking all my unit tests ran and then everything ended up in a ball of flames. And <laughs> then I went home <laughs> and thought that'll be next failed, yeah. week's problem. So yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of uh, scale on these on these public facing servers are you kind of dealing with? Do you have, you know, are these getting hit by thousands of customers a day or is it 10,000 of customers? Do you have to deal with load balances or load balancers or RDS or anything like that? Yeah. So we've got, we're slowly moving everything into RDS. I think we've got, uh, we've got all of our mission critical stuff over in RDS and we're actually redoing our whole infrastructure right now. We've got the majority of stuff is in AWS, but we still have stuff on um, like a co-location that are just running on VMware. Okay. But we're, yeah, we're moving everything to AWS. I've been pushing and prototyped everything, moving it over into Docker on Rancher, mm-hmm. like using Rancher as the coordinator to uh, run all the Docker stuff on a cloud of EC2 instances. This is... So it's like a cluster. It's pretty sweet. This is interesting. Michael, do you... I mean, so... I hate to be the one who sounds like the idiot. I've heard of these terms, most of these. I know what Docker is. <laughs> I've heard of Rancher. Yeah. Um, but Michael, help me out here. Are you are you keeping up with all this, or are you uh, are you uh, a little bit in the dark? Yeah, we we me? do a bit of stuff with Docker at work. I don't do. I don't have too much interaction with it directly. It's more um, the platform that that our code is going to be moving to. I haven't used Rancher though. Rancher is more for orchestration and, and getting things set up. Is that right? Yeah. TJ? Well, so Rancher, yeah. So Rancher does, it does a lot of coordination and it'll do scheduling too. So let's say we have three instances of our application. Rancher will do the load balancing between those three instances that are riding on Docker containers. And then let's say one of those servers goes down. We lose, we, we lose an EC2 node. Rancher will know that there's supposed to be three instances of that and will automatically spin up a third and then load balance right between it. Cool. Okay. So do you feed Rancher like, I'm sure it's not like, I don't know if a provisioning script is really the word for it when you're dealing with Docker or if it's like an image or what you refer to it as, mm-hmm. but you feed that to Rancher yeah. and it like knows, Hey, this is the image or this is the whatever that I need to have over here. And, and so it just knows to spin one up. Yeah. You basically go through their UI and you can build out what an application looks like, what containers it uses, what environmental variables it is the scales of those different uh, those different application structures. And then, you know, you can link them all together and it knows how to link everything mm-hmm. up. So whenever it needs to deploy another one or it needs to scale, you can basically do one-click scaling with it and it knows exactly how to recreate that application. And Rancher will handle automatically all of the balancing between those 
node different nodes. Wow, yep. that's really powerful. So you don't even have to set up your own load balancer. Rancher is that. It does that for you. Yeah, so there's a high availability mode for it too. So you can actually have you know multiple Rancher instances and then those will load balance the containers that are okay. behind it. And then you kind of solve the problem of having the data distributed across those apps by having the database somewhere else in RDS, right? So they all talk to the single RDS instance. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I containerizing data stores is not or persistent data stores is not really a good idea. Okay. So is it is it still sort of a single point of failure with RDS? So if RDS went down, are you sort of hosed? Or like how does that work? Yeah, it depends how you set up RDS. We have all of our RDS instances set up to span the availability zones. So you can do multi-availability zone, okay. uh, you know, RDS instances. So, you know, you've got two availability zones on the East Coast in Virginia. The likelihood of you losing both of those is pretty small. So we're kind of willing to take that yeah. risk. But you can also spin those back up, you know, if we need to like push them out to the West Coast, we can kind of pull those backups out and push them up there. So it will replicate across different instances just to make sure that you have high availability or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of leverage Amazon to take care of yeah. the availability and the replication of the database. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really new to a lot of this Docker stuff. I mean, you know, like I said, like I maybe know enough to at least have an idea of what you're talking about, but I've never used it. And really, I think what I've said has been really pretty high level stuff. When you're talking about, you know, using Rancher to set up your, uh, you know, again, for lack of a better knowledge of what it's actually called, your provisioning scripts or whatever. Um, yeah. As far as when you say like what containers you're using, and I don't want this to be like a Docker Crash Course 101 for me here. And Michael, <laughs> I'm sorry for talking so much. It's just that's all right. Uh, interesting. So when you have, so when you have this, does each container so, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of like, uh, I have like a server is what I guess I would typically refer to it as, you know, so for me, a server would be like, I have Nginx installed, I have PHP installed, I have MySQL installed, I have Redis installed, that's my app, or that's my server, right? So if I'm setting up a Docker instance, maybe, or I don't know what you'd call it, that that server is multiple containers all glued together. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So one of the APIs I just finished building, it like the application instance consists of three separate containers. We have an Nginx container, we have a PHP FPM container, and then it has the application container. So the application container is basically just a container that stores all of the like Laravel files. Hmm. Okay. So you've got the whole, you got all of the PHP files, all of like the front end assets and everything just stored inside of a container. So then you can link them all together. Okay. And so what's the, what's the big, like, Docker's the savior of the world? What's my massive, like, reason for why I want to containerize these things? Why does it help me to containerize Nginx and PHP and the app all separately? Portability, predictability, uh, those are, like, really the two, the two main things for me. Is I know I can spin up the same, it, like, the same environment for the same application time and time again, mm -hmm. and I know it's always going to be the same. And you can do it on whatever box you want. It doesn't matter what hard hardware you're running it on. Right. And then the other cool thing is it allows you the opportunity to do some automation really easily. So when we, like I set up our, we have a, a in-house GitLab instance and it's set up so whenever you merge to master, it automatically builds that application container. So it adds all the code in there, installs all of the composer dependencies, 
runs all of the like npm and node and asset stuff uh, like webpack and then pushes it up to a custom registry and then it's ready to deploy hmm. very cool and that wasn't that hard to set up either the all the rancher in amazon like that was a little trickier but getting the automation set up out of the box for GitLab was pretty easy. Hmm. You can even just use like the stock images from Laradoc. Okay. So it's at like a point, it's really like kind of come to this tipping point where like there's enough smart people that are using it now that they've made it easy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, cause like when you first, if you get it in, if you get in on it on the bleeding edge, you end up being the one who develops a lot of those tools to make it easy. And right. I'm always kind of like, I, I guess I would consider myself like a late adopter. With Laravel, I'm I'm always on the latest version because I know Laravel well enough. I've invested the time in it and I've been doing it long enough now that like I'm very comfortable being on the latest version. That's fine. I've already jumped in and I've drank the drank the Kool-Aid. But with Docker or some like some of these new technologies, like I'm very hesitant to jump in just cuz my the amount of resources I have as far as time is concerned is very limited. So I just I hate to invest time into a tool that is not going to be around. But Docker has been everywhere recently, you know, and it sounds like the tools that they've come up with to manage this stuff is kind of at that point where it's like, okay, I can jump in and not be wasting a lot of time because a lot of these problems have been solved. Yeah, I think it's I think it's right now is a really good time to start getting into it. There's a lot of really good resources out there. I think the technology has stabilized a lot. And I mean, you look at projects like Laradoc, where in under five minutes, you can be running you can be running your app on on Docker, on your MacBook, on your laptop, ready to go. Okay, here's my last question. And then I'm going to shut up and let Michael talk for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so if I wanted to, I could take this same thing and I could put it onto a Windows machine running Docker or on a Linux machine or on my MacBook. It doesn't matter. As long as I'm running Docker on it, I could, this is portable across any of those. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's, and that's what's cool is we've got, um, you know, our system administrator, he's on Windows. I run on OS X and, you know, on Mac OS. And, and then I work out like everything's hosted on Ubuntu servers. And it's the, I know it's the same environment hmm. everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of the, it's kind of like the next evolution of Vagrant. Yeah. Like locally. Yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah, I, I am very much addicted to using Valet for everything right now. Um, same. Oh my word. It's so amazing. So amazing. I'm not ready. I'm not quite ready to jump back into vagrant land just because I was very much like, I, I'm just, I'm the dog at the keyboard. Uh, I don't like, I'd literally like follow the <laughs> tutorial to get it set up. And then I'm like, good, done with that. I don't want to ever think about that again because I don't, I don't really care to know what's going on with that. I just want it to work. So anyway. Okay. Very cool. Thanks for giving me that kind of crash course. This is one of those things that, man, this is why it's so awesome to have people on the podcast. Cause these are things that I would love to have a conversation with somebody about that I just usually don't get the chance to talk to somebody about. And so having people like you on the podcast allows me to, I get, you know, I get 30 minutes of your time for free. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. I mean, <laughs> feel free to hit me up. Um, you welcome to jump on screen hero and show you how it all works. Very cool. Thanks, man. All right, Michael, I will, if there's anything you want to talk about, <laughs> now's your <laughs> yeah. chance. Yeah. Okay. Give me, give me 30 seconds. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, TJ, you said, I mean, we bumped into each other at Laracon last year and you sort of strolled over and introduced yourself. And, you know, we've, you know, we've been having uh, pretty good conversations about various things over the, you know, since, since that stage. What, what was it like for yourself going to Laracon? I guess just speak from the perspective of, of someone going by themselves. Were you sort of a bit nervous about, 
I guess, getting in touch with people, interacting? Was it, you know, was it hard to, to do that? Or did you think the community was going to be inviting enough that you could just rock up and, and make some new friends pretty easily? Yeah, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. It was uh, going in totally blind. I'd never been to a conference been, like before. It had been a while since like I had been yeah. away from my wife that long too. So that was kind of like a little bit of an adjustment. We're not, it's not like we're super attached or anything. It just, yeah. we had been spending, you know, months and months together. We had a, you know, we've, I've got a three-year-old. So it was, uh, it was like the longest period of time I had been away from him too. And uh, I knew a few people on Twitter, but not a ton. So I was definitely like a little, I guess maybe yeah. apprehensive, you know, I didn't, I just didn't know what to expect and was absolutely floored. I I couldn't, I, I would never in my wildest dreams that I realized how many people I'd meet so quickly. Everyone was so inviting. I think the first 15 minutes in the hotel lobby was like a little awkward and someone came up, introduced themselves and yeah. that was it. Started right. meeting people left and right. I don't know. It was, I think looking back, I think Laracon was like a huge turning point in my career. It was, it, it changed a lot of things for me. Yeah, that's very cool. Pretty yeah. special. Yeah, the connections that you make and. And I think, you know, not only is it like, oh, you make good friends, but like we're talking about professional connections too, right? So like, you know that if you ever, you know, lost your job or whatever for some reason, you would be able to reach out to the people that you know, they're like literally like actual friends. Like you could be like, hey, like if you guys have any work and you could probably find something relatively quickly because, you know, we just kind of look out for each other. You know, we we are always... You know, whether it's side work or or whatever it might be, you know, we can always kind of help each other find something. So it's it's like a really nice safety net to kind of have in place there. Yeah. I do know exactly what you mean about spending time away from your wife. You don't really think about it because, I mean, it sounds like you're in a similar situation to me where, you know, you see your wife in the morning, you see your wife when you come home from work, you spend the weekends together. You basically, you're not, you know, in each other's face, but you're attached to the hip, I guess. And then suddenly you're away and it, you were, you know, you were Detroit. No, you were in Michigan at the time. Were you not? Yeah. 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 I've, yep. Yeah. yeah I've grew up here my whole life. Oh, no, you are still in Michigan. Detroit is in Michigan. I know. I know US geography. It's fine. Dude, you know, yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm always like, where's Adelaide again? It's somewhere. Some, <laughs> New Zealand? Is it yeah, in New Zealand? PD's an hour away. No, no. Yeah. So, and, I mean, I traveled halfway around the world to, and then conference finished, Jake left Friday night, people left pretty early on Saturday morning, and I'm sitting there going, my flight's not until four o'clock. What do I do? <laughs> what do I do now? It gets very, and then you're like, gee, I wish my wife was here. <laughs> it's post-conference blues, man. That's a real thing. I'm, yeah, I'm right? convinced. Yeah. Yeah. It, it hurt. It hurt coming home. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, that was like, I always experienced that as a kid when I'd go to summer camp. I'm a... Uh, I don't know if any of you guys know this. This is probably a little personal revelation. I'm is this confession yeah, I'm an extrovert. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Oh, what? <laughs> True story. <laughs> I hadn't picked up on it. It's man. Good idea. True story. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you I'm, can imagine at I'm summer rattled. camp, it was just like heaven. You know, I just loved being around all these kids of my age and just, for, it's so fun. So I always felt that hardcore coming back from summer camp. It was like, I was depressed for like a week. It was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Like I just want to be back at camp. So yeah, post-conference blues, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, definitely something to watch out for, for anyone who is going to be at, at Laracon this mm-hmm. year. I will have my wife with me this time, so maybe it won't be so Yeah, that'll bad. be really cool. That'll be really nice to meet your wife. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, once uh, once my wife found out all the other, uh, you know, Laravel yeah, wives dude, were coming. Yeah, I would coming. love to meet your yeah. wife. She's, she's rad. Like, well, maybe now I need to come. Like that's, and I <laughs> yeah. say rad. Like that, I don't use that word very dude, she's often. She's pretty cool. But, like I feel that that personifies your wife. Like she, I mean, she does crazy stuff. Like I mean, I don't even know what her profession is, but she does like these suspended rings from like a thirty foot ceiling or something. It's crazy, right? She's like it's like a circus sort of stuff almost. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, she does she does aerial. She's an instructor, and she does it. You know, she performs. She's got a performance coming up pretty soon mm-hmm. on a. Uh, so I yep. think you've seen pictures of like her doing um on like the silks. Uh, there's now there's a suspended like okay. three dimensional. Yeah, that's awesome. That she's Very doing cool. a performance in. Yeah, yeah it's um, pretty wild. Yeah, that would be cool. So like I I know Laura, my wife, is coming out before this year. She's coming out before. Hopefully, hopefully we're. The whole baby Hopefully. situation we've got going on here. Mm. We're hoping to make it work. Yeah. So Bennett baby number right. four coming in about six weeks, hopfully. So, uh, man, this can be, it's nice. going to be crazy town. So we're moving in like a week, a little over a week. And then we're having our next baby in six weeks. And so, yeah, life is crazy in the Bennett household right now. Yeah. I'd imagine yeah. so. TJ, one of the things we like to do with people we have on the show, and we I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show, we like to kind of get people's journey into development. And we even talked about this with uh, Muhammad on uh, our last Laravel News podcast, just kind of where he started. It's always interesting to kind of hear what people's first exposure was to programming or even computers and kind of how that developed into you know what you're doing now. So I would love to hear that like part of your story. As far as like what, you know, what was the very first experience you had with computers? When did you realize that it was something you enjoyed doing and et cetera? Yeah. So I got, I was really fortunate growing up. My dad worked for uh, a tech company. So we had computers real early on. Um, we, we were early internet adopters too. So, you know, I started playing games and doing a little bit of graphic stuff here and there. And then once we got the internet, I don't know, it was game over oh yes uh, stumbled across like geocities (laughs) started playing around with geocities uh putting together just random websites playing around with css you know whatever little bit of css there was then and then i I was laughing during the laravel news show because i also got hooked on the uh, the macromedia flash and action script train so that was my first action script was my first bite of real programming and i don't know i just i i love solving puzzles and that's i saw that just as the never-ending puzzle to be solved so you know kind of after i got into flash a little bit it was custom myspace page time (laughs) and knocked out tons of uh custom myspace styles and then kind of got into wordpress for a little bit and then out into the Mm -hmm. it was it came time to learn an mvc framework the, the company I was working for at the time, they were using Cake. I didn't really, I didn't like the way it felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started kind of looking at other frameworks. I came across uh, Falcon, Falcon PHP. That seemed pretty interesting. Uh, and then I came across this, this other framework that was kind of up and coming, you know, Laravel. And I think this was right, this was right before f- yeah. I think four mm-hmm. was coming. That's out. when I found it too. And uh, I was like, oh, all these new features are about to come out soon and... You know, I'm big on how code feels and uh, just kind of looking through the source and looking at th- through the docs and some of the examples. I don't know. It just, it felt right. And uh, I've been working with it ever since. Yeah. I think the, uh, 
I think one of the things that made it easier for me to make the jump into Laravel, and I, again, I I really I really do feel very fortunate that I was that I was kind of pushed to make that jump. Like I said earlier, I'm a little bit of a late adopter when it comes to this stuff, so actually getting on the Laravel train was a little bit of a like, uh, it was something I wanted to do, but something I didn't really want to invest the time into. And so Jeffrey Way had kind of just started Laracast at that point. Like it was brand new, just brand new. And I remember walking, like going through his video courses and just being like step for step, like watching and then pause and then do exactly what he did and like go, okay, do, okay, pause, do exactly what he did. I was learning all this new stuff that I had no idea about composer. I was like, what is this composer thing? And like PSR zero, PSR four, I have no idea what he's talking about. Even like namespacing and like, I, you know, there were so many bugs I got where I was like, oh, forgot to put the use statement at the top of the class. Like, what the heck? Like, what is this stuff? And so there were so many things that Laravel was like, it was a commitment to like a new framework, but along with it, one of the things I appreciate about Laravel is like, it drags you into all of these, like, you know, if you weren't familiar with those things, it drags you into all of these, like, okay, this is modern PHP. This is what it looks like. This is what you have to learn. And it really does, Jeffrey, you know, at least kind of help me travel that path and get to the point where I was actually like, okay, I know what these things are. So more than just jumping onto the Laravel train, it was more like, welcome to modern PHP development. Like, and, and uh, I, I learned so much so fast because of that. It was pretty cool. I was, mm. you know, before I found Laravel, I was about to jump ship and go, go to like down the Ruby oh, yeah. train. And I'm like, oh, you can write PHP like yep. this. Wow. All right. I'm staying here. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a common thread I've found with other Laravel developers. I've spoken to a few people and said, you know, if it wasn't for Laravel, I would, I would probably have gone down the Ruby mm-hmm. route, started, started learning Rails. So not only that, but you mentioned that the code base for Laravel felt right. You know, you like how the way that code feels. And it seems like a strange thing to say that you like how code looks and how it feels as opposed to, you know, I guess being theoretically pure for lack of a better term. And, and it seems, as I say, a little bit strange, but there's a huge market for it. There is so many Laravel developers that it must, you know, maybe it's not as isolated a way of thinking as maybe I would have thought three years ago, four years ago. Are you saying that there's enough Laravel developers now that we've kind of been able to shift the tide of the whole, no, it must be theoretically pure sort of group? Are you saying like, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Laravel... It, it looks nice and it's readable. You know, the code is expressive and all of those marketing buzzwords that, that go along with Laravel. But I think at the same time, it also pushes developers to, you know, test their code and write things that make sense. You know, write things that are useful at the time. Don't optimize too mm-hmm. early. Don't refactor when you don't have to. Don't, you know, don't bring in all of these sort of enterprise level architecture things if you're writing a to-do list kind of mm-hmm. thing. It puts, it certainly puts me as a developer and I'm sure many others in the of the mindset of do something in the simplest way possible. And I guess Laravel being a rapid, rapid, rapid application framework, it certainly encourages that, but it, it certainly doesn't prevent you from doing things at sort of that enterprise-y scale later on. Like it's very easy to refactor. Well, it's, I mean, if you look at, at Taylor's recent post where he was going through all of the performance stats of, uh, you know, where Laravel stands, how it stacks up against other frameworks, I think that was really saying something to be that performant and 
still feel good and be able to like focus on being hyper readable and being very expressive and fluent and not have to worry about all these, you know, doing it right, doing all this like. Yeah, quote yeah, unquote, yeah. doing it right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, like doing absolutely. doing the super complex. Uh, I don't know. It's it's what all the battles on Twitter go back and forth about when it comes to the framework. It's it can be that performant yeah. and still be what it is mm-hmm. is is pretty special and be crazy yep. feature rich too. I mean, like right. It's got. I mean, that's the thing. Like I've I've been using it for I don't know four years now. And I've still yet to like use some of the features that it offers. There's just like so many things. Yeah. Always finding new things. And like you said, uh, we're, we're talking about it on Laravel News and through through that tweet you put out about the, the different URL helpers, you'd only just discovered the action yeah. helper. And as as you know, that's, that's been there since like the three yeah. days. Yep. So there's always little bits and pieces in there. And it it's interesting from a p- perspective of maintenance and whether, you know, people don't know about those things for a long period of time and they're just sort of tucked away in the framework. Can you imagine having to make the judgment call on, on whether or not you want to keep maintaining that yeah. going forward? Yeah, well, like, oh, no one's using this and you don't really have the metrics for it, I right. guess. There's, there's no way of knowing what this, and this is part of the problem of having three or four different ways of doing the same thing is that everyone's going to pick their own way and there's, there's going to be like, you know, the people that are loud, the most vocal in the community saying, this is how I do it. And so people learn from them and then they do it that way. And so everyone's doing it in this particular way, but there's these outliers that are using different different ways as well. And it's like, you can't just remove something because it's there, but at the same time, how much effort goes into maintaining it. And I guess the action help is probably a poor example because there's not really much maintenance involved in it, but you'd, you'd think that there would be other things in the framework like that. Yeah, have you ever seen the XKCD comic? It talks about like every breaking change like affects somebody's like workflow. Yeah. And so it's like, a, you know, there's like a bug fix is like stopped, you know, the overheating of the processor when you have done, you know, spacebar or whatever. And and it's like, you know, some developer writes and is like, what do you do? Like, I need that. Like I have that set to like, yeah. you know, I have an Arduino that like t- recognizes a fluctuation in the temperature and sets it to be like the control key instead yeah. of the space bar. Like I need that back. It's just so funny. You know, even bugs, people learn to rely on bugs in code to do certain things for them. It's yeah. like, yeah, you can't keep everybody happy when you have when you have millions of people using when you have millions of people using a framework, you know, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. Everything you do that that removes some feature or whatever, you're always going to have some faction of people who are frustrated about it. But it's just how, how it goes. Yeah. There's been issues like that that I've seen on the on the Laravel organization repositories. And it's like, do you fix the behavior because it is broken or it doesn't match what's documented because it's broken or not documented? Or do you sort of leave it as it is because you, you know, it might be a backwards compatible break because someone's relying on you know, before it was, the, what was it? There was something this week that I saw that previously was, I think it was in the 5.4 upgrade. Previously it was returning null, but now it's going to, or it was throwing an exception before and now it's returning null. And anyone that was relying on the exception now has to go, well, now I have to go and check to see if it's mm-hmm. null. Those kind of things as well. It's, uh, I guess that speaks more about, you know, how you approach maintaining an open source project specifically or more so than specifically laravel itself but there's all those kinds of things and that's why we have releases right you lock it down to a release if your code absolutely depends on it it's not like it's going to update without you updating it so yeah whatever whatever let's see we have any more questions for tj 
TJ, what does TJ stand for? Yeah, what does TJ stand for? <laughs> Do, are we allowed to know? Oh, Thomas man, Jefferson. See that? There you go, man. Yes. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's Thomas Joel. Thomas Joel. Uh, that's like my first and middle name. But I don't know. It never, never, f- never seemed to fit. Just always felt too, uh, too official. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like any anyone that's. I think it, it's it's a fairly Australian thing that we'd like to squash down and have as few syllables in in things as possible. So, yeah. There's there's a footballer in in my team called Tom Jonas, and he's he's TJ because TJ just sounds better than Tom Jonas. Yeah, which is why all of you guys so. refer to your friends as the. Uh, single syllable curse word that none of us use over here that's right <laughs> you don't even you don't Wait. even call them you don't even call them by their names you just call them that uh yeah i saw i saw no, of yeah, i saw a webcomic on that the other day right they were like uh yeah what you call somebody who's actually your mate right and then yeah it's yeah so anyway pretty funny yeah. <laughs> uh it was only just yesterday tj and i were talking about it or was it the day before that it just clicked that TJ shares his name with a comic that plays Ehrlich Bachman on, uh, yes. On, it, um, what are they called? I don't even remember what it's called. I don't know. I'm blanking on it too. Uh, anyway, it comes back soon. Pie Piper. Um, yeah, I'm completely lost. You guys lost me. I know it's on HBO. Oh, okay. Startup show. I, now it's going to bother me. <laughs> yeah, one of you guys needs to let us know. Uh, one thing I did want to say is that uh, you were talking about your journey into development, whatever, and you'd mentioned GeoCities. I loved GeoCities. GeoCities was awesome because you got your own little subdomain for free. And I mean, like I say for free, it was ad, it was ad revenue, you know, supported, whatever. So like they would have ads, but nobody actually showed the ads because you would just use a little script at the bottom of your page that would get rid of that iframe or whatever. You guys remember that? Oh, for yeah. Sure. So you would never have an actual thing on there. Oh, Michael's saying it's Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is the name of the show. Yep. So on, on GeoCities though, but like the thing that I loved about GeoCities was that anybody could get it and it was like free hosting. And I feel like that's a little bit more of a challenge these days. There's not really uh, something mm-hmm. equivalent to that. The thing I could think of that was closest to it is something like CodePen, um, you know, JS Fiddle or something like that. Like you can very easily make a little, you know, one page sort of demo pages. But to make something that's like an actual site that you could show somebody, it's harder to find a place that will give you like free hosting with that. Do you guys know of anything that yeah. you point developers to? That Not really. I guess, you know, GitHub pages. Oh, developers GitHub are pages. to GitHub yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, I guess, yeah. You have to know Git then. It's not like you can just spin up a page. Yeah, you'd have to know Git. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I feel like there's something out there and I'm just blanking on it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of any. Yeah, I think... I think GitHub pages is probably where I'd push most people. That's where I've kind of, the junior developer I'm working with, I feel like that's kind of what we've used as, uh, I thought it was important enough to teach him Git. And then once he learned Git, it was like, oh, of course, GitHub pages. Why wouldn't you, you know? You don't have to deploy anything with FTP. You just push it up and it's done. It's live, so. Yeah, I think I think Git is definitely one of those like core things mm-hmm. that you got to pick up right off the bat. You have to anymore. Yeah, you have to know it. I mean, especially in the beginning, even if you're not pushing it to a repository, just being able to revert back is, I don't know, that's that's huge, especially when you're just like hacking around trying to figure out what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, even at that, once I taught him, it was still a challenge trying to get him to figure out like, okay, like you've got to commit more than once a day because it's pointless. Like, you, you know, you can't go back now. If you forgot to commit, then like yeah. you screwed up and you're done. I mean, like you can't, it doesn't help you at all if you're not making commits. So. Yeah, I think that's and one of those lessons you just have to learn. Yep. yep, for sure. 
commit often. Yep. Commit early, commit often. There you often. go. Atom- so, Atomic uh, commits. There you go. Yeah. Do, you, uh, do we want to touch on uh, Guzzle? Oh, dang. That's what this whole thing started with. <laughs> I kind of do. This whole thing was about, yeah, Guzzle being awful. And actually, I, oh, I really don't like where it went. Can we do it? Do you reckon anyone will mind if we do an extra hello internet? Do you mind if we do an extra five minutes here? Mm. <laughs> what do you think? I don't mean I don't care. Either that or we can put a whole other show together. I don't I don't particularly care. It was fun having TJ on the show anyway, but um I learned a lot about Docker today. I I kind of don't want to I, I don't Do we don't, need to do a podcast? I say two? we could I, I honestly say let's have TJ on for the next episode and do a guzzle war. I would uh right. I, I would love to. Yeah, there's I've I have I went into this being like, oh yeah, no, no guzzle. And now like kind of prep for this. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little less anti guzzle, but, uh, I think I'm more specific about when they make sense to use Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, shout out to Paul Redmond for putting that middleware. Yes. Uh, putting that middleware post together. Cause that's, that was one of those things that kind of swung me a little yeah, bit. Yeah. We'll have to link that up in the show notes. Uh, he wrote that up. He had, he kind of saw that we were talking about it on Twitter and said, Oh, I'm going to put together this article for why I switched to guzzle six from guzzle five. Yeah. And it was kind of talking about how he leverages the middlewares. Yeah. Like PSR it's seven middlewares. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple yeah. other things in there. He talks about with the Laravel container as far as tags go that I've never used before. I don't know what that is. Yeah. You can, there were so many nuggets to me? of, there were so many nuggets of, uh, knowledge in there yeah does anybody use tags in the in the container mike i've never used uh, i was talking to someone about it and one of my colleagues at work was was looking at it this week and of all places it was with some stuff that he was doing in wordpress so he was trying to tag things in the container in wordpress so yeah but no i have not i have not used it yeah let's let's have a quick i have not used it personally Maybe we get Paul Paul on to talk yeah, about this. Maybe we'll have Paul on with us. That maybe we'll have TJ and Paul on for our next next episode. It'll be fun. Yeah, he's uh, he's big into Docker too. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. <laughs> it's always fun having guests. I like. I think people like the show better when we have guests anyway. So, yeah, we'll wrap we'll wrap it up and we'll just kind of push this on to be continued here. It's been it's been a good episode. So we'll just kind of uh, next episode we'll talk about yeah. Guzzle some more and we'll see if we can get Paul on as well. That'd be good. Cool. Yeah. Well, Sweet. yeah, TJ, thanks again for coming on, man. It's been really good talking to you. And I have learned, you know, it's funny that we were originally doing this to talk about Guzzle and we didn't talk about it at all. And we talked about a whole bunch of other stuff. So yeah, thanks for having us on. Or thanks for, yeah, thanks for having us on. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> and uh, we will be sure. It's not even yeah, 3 a.m. this time. We'll be sure to have you on again next episode with Paul, hopefully. And we can talk a little bit more about Guzzle and stuff. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm absolutely excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks so much uh, for thank you for everybody for listening today this is episode 26 so you can get show notes for the episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 26 if you like this episode please rate us up in iTunes five stars or in your podcatcher of choice if you have any questions for us reach out to Michael or myself on Twitter or at North South Audio on Twitter uh, yeah thanks everybody for listening Michael I am like, once again going to bed it's 11 (laughs) o'clock good evening i have to go and finish game two of my playoffs campaign and 2k right yeah it was funny i was like two two wins three wins away yeah Yeah. well all right sounds good we could talk for another half hour i'm sure but i'll let you go (laughs) all right guys take it easy (laughs) all right see ya all right see ya
Michael, we got to do our special little intro. Our special yes. little. Uh, We're at 26, South, by the way. Intro. Episode 26? 26. All right. I'll try yeah. to remember. I'm going to actually put it at the top here. Episode 26, because I always forget. Ventisei. 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 Oh, I don't know any Italian. None. Uh, what's German? Except for maybe uh, spaghetti. 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 <laughs> You can say anything in Italian with your eyes and your hands <laughs> like this. Ah, mamma mia. <laughs> it's me, Mario. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. Okay. okay. You're going to... I, uh, I, I think I already know what the outtake is going to be for yeah. this episode. Yeah. Walk into it every time. Every all time. Right. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Right. Gold. Oh, solid Ready? gold. 